Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. As a reminder, please subscribe, rate, and review the CG Business Advisor wherever you get your podcasts from so you can make sure that you get each new episode downloaded directly to your mobile device. On this episode, we're going to talk about blockchain technology and what exactly is it and how does it relate to the insurance world? When I hear the term blockchain technology, the first thing that comes to my mind is Bitcoin, right? Cryptocurrency. But it's not just cryptocurrency. Blockchain technology is used for so many other things. And here to help us dive further down the rabbit hole is Jarrett Farrell, the president of Cedar Risk Management, an independent insurance agency based out of New Jersey. Jarrett, first off, what is blockchain? We've all heard the term multiple times, whether it's about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and all that stuff uh, runs on blockchain. You hear it all the time. What exactly is blockchain technology? Right. Yeah, I mean, so this is something that has been around now for more than longer than people realize in reality. And it's just a new way of converting data into a financial ledger that is secure. Um, you know, what's happening now in the uh, general public, we're being inundated, like you said, with blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFT, uh, you know, all of these acronyms that are out there that you know most people uh, are familiar with but don't really understand and and blockchains at the kind of the center of it really right that is kind of driving all of these things in around it and it's like i said it's going to be the new way that a lot of these terms a lot of these currencies uh these nfts are stored and transacted uh securely kind of going forward so it's not going to be a fad by any means, I think it's just the, the start of how we all um, transact, do business with one each other, with each other uh, going forward on a, on a new kind of platform. Um, and there is some mystery behind it, but the technology and the security behind it uh, is going to be revolutionary, in my opinion. Um, you know, when you get to the NFTs, um, that's something that, like I said, over the last two to three months, a lot of people have kind of seen in the news. Uh, there has been uh, a lot written up about these huge transactions that are happening, whether it's art, video clips, GIFs, uh, songs, uh, items. You know, I bring that down to a low level that, that most of us have had some exposure to it. You know, I kind of laugh mm -hmm. that, you know, the younger generation with Fortnite and roadblocks and, you know, all these video gaming industries, um, the parents kind of don't understand it, but I say to them, you know, have you ever given your kid a $25 gift card for Fortnite or Roblox? Yeah. Well, well, they're buying a skin or they're buying an NFT basically or something in a video game transaction that, you know, they're already doing this. <laughs> so, you know, the younger generation has had exposure to this many times. Um, and, and while the parents might not fully understand it, this is happening already. So it's like, you know, we're, we're in the heart of this, uh, new evolution of, of the way that we're going to kind of go through it. But like I said, at the end of the day, 
you know, blockchain is the the engine that, that drives all of this. Yeah, listen, don't even get me started on NFTs. I went down an NBA Top Shot wormhole, and I just... You know, oh, you're, you're, there, you're oh buy- we can do you're, a whole podcast <laughs> just on that. <laughs> listen, you're buying and selling something that is technically available for free, but you own it, but yes. you don't own it, but you do own it, yes. because it's not real, but it is real. It's non-fungible, but hey, it's all run on blockchain. That's all we know. <laughs> That, that, right, exactly. But you're absolutely right. So the top shot is kind of I was alluding to that that has just, you know, exploded in the last couple of months. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of clients that are kind of asking about it, you know, the sustainability. But we've seen some of these athletes get involved with it, right, uh, over the last couple of months. We've seen, if you follow it, these artists, right, in music now have come up with it. Some of them have basically put it out there that these uh, videos, these songs, these clips are available some of them are keeping the money. Some of them are donating the proceeds that they're getting, which is great. Uh, but it's starting that conversation. And if you look back on it, you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all these things, we're now 11 years really kind of later. And it's still, by in large, I think, uh, something that most people don't feel very comfortable with. But it's been around for longer than most people realize. And the same with you know, the NFTs. The NFTs now have just come to the forefront. And I really anticipate over the next two, three years, at some point, like you said, whether it's Top Shot or some of these other, people are going to dip their toes into it. And and the reality is, like you said, when you go back to those that have kids, you know, I've got three young kids. We, although we didn't get into Fortnite, you know, roadblocks and some others are things where we have parents have, have given kids money or, or cards and they're using it in this form and fashion to, to purchase these kind of items. Mm-hmm. Um, so while, you know, you know, this younger generation is going to be kind of, uh, you know, built on it to a certain degree, while, while some of us are still kind of understanding the concept. So, uh, yeah, the NFTs, like I said, obviously, you know, non-fungible tokens, um, you know, I, I kind of, like I said, layer that down to, you know, the, the gaming world, right? Video games, because again, the kids or parents in some aspect, it's very rare that they haven't been exposed to it in some aspect already. Yeah, that makes sense when you, when you put it that way. So as far as investments around blockchain and, and crypto, you think that this is something that is going to be sustainable long term? I, I really do. Um, you know, there's been a lot that's actually happened, uh, obviously, in, in the last couple of months with this. But, uh, you know, whether it is Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, you know, these other uh, cryptocurrencies, Doge. I, 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 don't be- I, I don't believe it's going to be uh, right. Lo- you, know, lo- you know, all these ones, right? We could go on and on. Like I said, we could have a, a whole separate conversation just on that. But I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, you know, where it ties over into what had really been looked at by the public is that there was always a negative connotation of it, right? That especially, you know, Bitcoin was used transactionally, um, you know, by those that were looking to uh, get involved in the dark web or someone that had been uh, impacted by uh, some type of ransomware. Um, so there's always that negative stigma around it. But I really think that this is the, the start of a huge tidal wave, you know, the U.S. government is one of the largest holders of of, uh, of Bitcoin itself from a, a seize that they did about a year and a half ago. Um, so it's something that we're starting to see. I'm sure you've seen the you know ATMs popping up. You see Bitcoin ATMs. You, you can now do the transactions on PayPal. Um, you know, I, I think this is something that is really kind of here to stay. Um, and whether it's it's Bitcoin or or uh, others that is going to be kind of the you know the, the Facebook the one that is you know the predominant player that still has to work itself out. 
Uh, but, but to answer your question, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, a fad. You know, if you go back to the, the mid 2000s, everyone thought, you know, Facebook was going to be the next MySpace and just a trend and, you know, something that, that phased out. Uh, whereas others said, you know, this is just in the infancy and, and look where it is kind of today, right? It, it drives so much uh, activity. You've got, you know, it took over, you know, the eBay commerce where you have people transacting things. Um, you know, there's so many different functions. And I, and I really think the same is going to be, be true with, uh, with this as well. So what about the impact on the insurance world, Jared? Is blockchain yeah. insurable? Um, it, so it is. Within these different forums, you're actually getting a certain level of the item that you have, right? That NFT, that it's, it's, in, it's insured, right? But the aspect then comes into the question of, okay, I, you know, right to your point, Top Shot. You know, I just, uh, th- there was a, a big release that came uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, maybe a week or so ago, where it was a thousand dollar pack, you know, first that had ever gone like that. And, and some of these items that were coming out of there were worth twenty five thousand um, dollars. So now people have these items that if it was a you know regular trading card or a piece of artwork, you know, they could come to us as an insurance broker. And whether it was owned as a business or owned individually, you know, we could inherently insure that item um, right now. That's in a gray area because, again, it's being insured on that platform. And eventually, I think we're going to see that in some aspect, there'll be a second layer of insurance that goes over top of that, that in the event that that uh, that website, that wallet, right, that digital wallet or something happens there, you would have a secondary aspect of insurance that would layer over top of that. It's not there yet, but that conversation is happening. That is coming. Um, and the extra layer of protection is something I think over time we will start to see. Uh, most people get a comfort level with knowing that they've got an item that no matter what happens, it won't be lost. That's the evolution of the blockchain behind everything is that it gives you that digital footprint. It removes what we've seen in the art industry for many years, uh, you know, trading cards, uh, signatures, whether it's music's entertainers, athletes, other things where there's so many forgeries that are out there, right? There, there's actually some articles that had been out there that over the last 10 years uh, for certain people, there were more forgeries in the market than there actually was original <laughs> signatures or the same thing with trading cards, right? These other things, this eliminates that. However, those items that we could have, they could be insured, right? If you came to me and said, Hey, I, I just, you know, got a signature of, you know, Mickey Mano, or I, I got this or that we can insure that item. Um, we're going to get to the evolution of that so that it is a hundred percent, secure which it is now but the insurability aspect is still a work in progress if that makes sense yeah no it does but i know it's a hot topic but cyber liability insurance what exactly does that cover it's a great question so you know what has evolved over the last couple years is a number of different forms of cyber attacks with business owners you know we talk about it with our clients all the time that basically you know 100 percent of all businesses are at risk um, you know, it's industry agnostic. All industries have vulnerability. Um, you know, people say, you know, we're a small family business. You know, I don't really see it. The only ones that I would say are not, you know, you don't have computers, you don't have client records. It's a cash only business. You know, you've got a hot dog stand, an ice cream store, and it's cash only. Okay, I can make the argument, you know, and you're not keeping client records. Uh, you know, you've got no exposure. Everyone else, again, all, over all industries and, and different verticals, have risk and exposure. And the most popular one that's out there 
is ransomware, right? So the ransomware goes back to the conversation about Bitcoin is, you know, we've seen this over the last eight to 10 years where a business owner, a company, a corporation has their computers locked up and those criminals come and say, you know, we're going to give you a key, but they're going to want a ransom. And typically that ransom was always paid in, in Bitcoin. Um, the astonishing number that came out within the insurance industry is that if you went back, they, when Bitcoin was at a lower denomination in value, um, you know, they were looking for, you know, 10 or $25,000 worth of Bitcoin. Today, the average they're looking for is $154,000. Um, so not a small amount. And then you go back to the, the, the question is, okay, we just got hacked. Where do I even go get Bitcoin, right? Like, it's not like you're going to go to your bank, your community bank and say, hey, I need, you know, I need some Bitcoin to pay these guys that just hacked in my computers to get everything back. Doesn't happen. Um, so the, the $154,000 is up 142% just in the last two years. So we've seen that trend just go up dramatically. Um, and I don't think it's going anywhere. So the ransomware is the most popular one. Um, that is, again, when someone infiltrates your system, hijacks it, if you will, and says, you know, we want a ransom in order to release all of, of your uh, computers, all of your files. Um, they demand it in a certain time frame, and it keeps you locked out. Right now, one of our insurance companies, uh, again, a multinational, multibillion-dollar uh, company, CNA, just went through this. So you're talking about, you know, a huge insurance carrier that impacted a lot of our clients. That, you know, they were shut down. Um, the statistic that that's out there right now is that when a breach happens, most companies are down for an average of 21 days. So it's not. It's not something you know that that that's quick a lot of times, uh, unless the ransom is paid. But even then, you still have all the things that need to go into it: accounting, forensic, legal review, reputational harm, uh, crisis management, having a public relations person come in, and then filing a claim for business interruption for the time period that you were down as a result of the attack. Um, the other one that's out there that happens again, much more common social engineering, and that's basically known as uh, identity theft. So someone pretends to be an executive, an employee, sends invoices or fake billing to a company in the hopes that it gets paid. And, and that happens much more common than people would think, um, happens all the time. Uh, you know, the invoice manipulation is one that if you go back to, uh, I think it was 2015 when Target was impacted, that all started as a result of a small HVAC company out in, uh, I think they're outside of King of Prussia in Pennsylvania that had been contracted with Target to uh, run reviews on their HVAC systems for one of the, a couple of their Target buildings. They were infiltrated, they believe, eight to 10 years prior when one of the employees clicked on a, a, a scamming email and that loaded malware into their system. And that malware just sat with the idea that it was waiting for a larger opportunity. Hmm. And they had a system where they were basically uploading their uh, billing and invoices to Target directly, and that gave them access to all of Target systems. They got into the cash registry. They got into the, uh, their, their digital uh, footprint, and you know, $42 million and, and uh, millions of people later, that impact was felt all across the, uh, the globe. Um, so those are the, you know, the kind of things that are out there that are happening on, on a daily basis. And again, whether it's that small business owner, whether it's that Fortune 500 company, uh, again, it crosses over all industries, all verticals. And again, people that, that have computers, keep client records, have point of sale, 
um, they all have an exposure for this without question. Yeah, so you would say they would all need some sort of cyber liability insurance. Exactly. You know, the cost of this has started to incrementally slowly creep up because, again, you can't go a, a day or two without hearing, reading, or seeing something that, you know, another company was breached. Um, you go back on to some of these staggering numbers, you know, that are out there as far as companies that have been impacted, people that have been impacted, and, you know, some of these top breaches. And the statistic that's out there is, you know, 90% of us have been impacted in, in some aspect. We just don't know it yet. Whether it's your date of birth here, your license, uh, maybe a bank information. You know, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I still have an account where I'm a member of a credit union in upstate New York, and they mailed out our statements one month. In the top right-hand corner, my social security number was printed on the outside of the envelope. Hmm. Um, you know, they called us, they sent a letter. You have both New York state and federal notification that had to be uh, put out for everyone. And then they provided free uh, credit monitoring for, for 12 months, which is pretty standard. Nothing happened, fortunately. And, you know, I, I have my, my credit locked, so, so no one can infiltrate it. Um, but those things all cost. You know, this is a credit union that had 92,000 members. Um, you know, you multiply that by a couple hundred dollars for the free credit monitoring and then a notification and nothing happened. But they still had hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of claims uh, that had to be paid out. And that was just a low level small little credit union. Yeah. Um, the numbers get much higher. And like I said, when you look on, on the average of what it actually costs and the impact to a business owner, and again, this is the average, it's six hundred to $800,000 per claim. That's a, that's a staggering number, right? You know, we're not talking about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, because again, all the things that I mentioned, now you have to have legal involved, right? Make sure that you're being in compliance with both state and federal regulations, the accounting forensic, reputational harm, having a PR firm get involved. A lot of times when companies announce that they have a data breach, it's very strategic. Um, you know, maybe it's after a big news event happens, so they're, they're not the lead. Uh, maybe it's after a, a holiday weekend when people you know, aren't really attuned to things going on, but they are PR firms out there that, that get involved, so that is very strategic to say, okay, we need to let the press know this is going to come out, but we can kind of control the conversation to a certain degree. Mm. Uh, and again, all these things with the right cyber liability data protection insurance policy can be paid for. Um, so it's one of the big things that, again, when people go through an insurance claim, I say this all the time, everyone becomes an expert, um, meaning that people find out what they're covered for, or what they don't aren't covered for by being proactive on having the right type of cyber liability policy up front, you can avert any of these potential out-of-pocket expenses. Because again, a lot of companies are offering it, but again, having a broker that explains and really has the nuances to understand what you need and, and what is really important in that process is paramount. Because again, this is not something that again, similar to blockchain is, is a fad and going away. If anything, I think we will continue to see data breaches be an impact. And as I was alluding to before, the premiums have been pretty low. And, and I anticipate over the next three to five years, those costs to go up quite a bit as we start to see more of these breaches and the claims and expenses being paid by the insurance company, that that'll drive up some of the costs. Yeah, no, it's, it's wild to think about. Jared, this is all great information. Uh, where can people go for more info about you and about Cedar Risk Management? Yeah, so uh, our website, Cedar Risk dot com. 
um, they can reach out to us. Again, the cyber liability is uh, kind of a, a passion that we have. We've been talking about this for years. Uh, we've had many clients impacted by it. You know, the largest claim that we had was almost $3 million uh, for some of our business owners. Fortunately, they had the right coverage. Um, as we tell people, in the overall landscape of things, uh, you know, a million dollars isn't a lot of money to be insured for overall today. Um, and as we said, you know, the average claim is six hundred dollars to $800,000 when a claim actually occurs. So having a million-dollar policy gets you, you know, right at or just slightly below the average. And they really should look at having someone review that to make sure that they're protected properly, someone that understands those type of policies. And the biggest key and, and takeaway that I give to people all the time, and I say this pretty much on a daily basis, is they always want to have a separate policy. They, they don't want to have that tied to any other insurance as far as their liability or business owner's policy. Um, the, the key here is having a standalone policy that's out on its own. In the event that there actually is a claim, it blows up separately and is paid accordingly on its own. And that six hundred dollars to $800,000 claim doesn't negatively impact all their other rates, right? So having it kind of set on its side separately, insured separately, um, is the best thing that people can, can look to do to make sure that they're protecting themselves. Jared, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for giving me a couple of minutes and a really interesting topic that I think people need to do a little more research on. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if you want to do another one on the NFT and the top shots, uh, love to do a segment on that as well, too. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we could talk about how uh, I'm 30, 30, 33,000 in line or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take care, Jared. Thank you so much. So I hope this helped you guys learn a little bit more about blockchain technology, what exactly it is, how it relates to the business world, and how it is insurable as well, because these things are worth a lot of money these days. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you get new episodes downloaded directly to your mobile device. We release new episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. And for more information about CG Tax Audit and Advisory, be sure to head to cgteam.com. CG offers an array of advisory and consulting services designed to help you and your business reach and exceed your financial goals. The CG team has more than 40 years experience in a variety of industries to provide the specialized support you deserve. From marketing to strategic planning to business operations, CG is focused on your top and bottom line. And best of all, CG advisors are focused on the road ahead and will be with you every step of the way. Visit cgteam.com advisory to learn more about their value-added business advisory and consulting services. I'll talk to you next time right here on the CG Business Advisor.